The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here are your top five at five. Stocks edging higher after a mostly positive session for stocks yesterday. But this morning, sounding the alarm for a pullback ahead. First, it was supply chain issues. Now Apple facing new challenges with its highly anticipated mixed reality headset. A new report this morning on why investors and early adopters may have to wait just a little longer. No topic off limits for Berkshire's 99-year-old vice chairman, Charlie Munger. His take on buybacks, Tesla, and why he's calling crypto, and I quote here, crap. Plus, bucking the industry trend, why Cisco shares are surging in the pre-market. And later, speaking of Tesla, why the company may be running into a production problem after those sweeping price cuts. It's Thursday, February 16th, 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Good morning, everybody. I'm Contessa Brewer in for Brian Sullivan on this Thursday. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. After a mostly higher session for stocks yesterday, the Nasdaq and the Dow Transports extended win streaks to three straight days. Here you're seeing uh, futures just basically flat, though, and the Nasdaq uh, barely in the grain. We're looking flat across the board here. Sticking with stocks, we're tracking the outperformance in small caps. The Russell 2000 up more than 2% this week and on pace for its third up week in four, up 1% right now. And names like Silvergate, NerdWallet, Stitch Fix, and Virgin Galactic helping lead that index higher. In crypto, Bitcoin saw a nice pop recently, trading near its highest level since mid-August. Bitcoin is coming off its biggest one-day gain in nearly a month, and right now we're seeing it up more than 2.5%. Around the world, mostly green arrows overnight in Asia. South Korea's Kospi leading that charge, up nearly 2%. You can see the Hang Seng uh, is up there as well, up almost a full percent. In Europe, the trading session just getting started there, taking a look at the early action. We're seeing the CAC 40 up almost a percent. The FTSE up a third of a percent, and in Germany, the DAX is up half a percent. Let's get to some of this morning's top corporate stories and Bertha Coombs. Good morning, Bertha. Hey, good morning, Contessa. Apple is reportedly pushing back the unveiling of its mixed reality headset from April to June. Bloomberg reports that the hardware and software improvements are still needed despite years of delays now in development on the device. The launch will now likely coincide with Apple's annual Worldwide Developers Conference. Berkshire Hathaway Vice Chairman Charlie Munger has a new favorite stock, Chinese EV maker BYD. Munger, speaking at the Daily Journal's virtual annual meeting yesterday, said he's never done anything to help Berkshire so much than buy into BYD, adding it's even ahead of industry rival Tesla. Last year, reduced its prices in China twice. BYD increased its prices. We're direct competitors. We're so much ahead of BYD. I mean, BYD is so much ahead of Tesla in China. It's like a 
it's just, it's almost ridiculous. And if you look at BYD, which most of you have never heard of, if you count all the manufacturing space they have in China to make cars, it would, it would amount to a big percentage of all the land in Manhattan Island. During that same conversation, Munger also said that he does not agree with the White House pushback over recent record corporate buybacks. And AMC Network selecting Kristen Dolan, industry veteran, former AMC board member and wife of interim chairman James Dolan, as its new CEO. AMC, which also owns the IFC channel, is known for series like Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead and Mad Men but has been struggling with cord cutting and a tough ad market. Dolan will become CEO effective February 27th. Contessa? All right, Bertha, thank you very much for that. See you in a bit. Back to the markets now. The continued climb to kick off the year despite the solid start. And my next guest sees some stormy skies on the horizon. Matt Maley is the chief market strategist at Miller Tabak. Uh, it's great to see you this morning, uh, Matt. Let me just ask you, why are you predicting that we could see, at least in the short term, a pullback? Well, it's just uh, the, the biggest concern that I have right now is you have a situation uh, where we earnings are go, earnings estimates for the year are going down and interest rates are going up. I mean, you look at you, know, you can look at the last year, but you certainly can go back any almost any measure in time when interest rates are going up. Uh, you know, the stock market usually, usually rolls over. I mean, the, one of the main reasons we rallied here since October is, is that for the most part, interest rates uh, have been going down. Of course, they went up in December and the market rolled over. Then, then, then they reversed. Well, now the the uh, bond market is reversing. So I think it's only a matter of time before the stock market uh, heads back lower again. Higher interest rates. A lower earnings, that's not a good combination when you have a stock market that uh, is still pretty expensive. Do you think that it's still possible to buy the dip? It's very hard. I, I, that, that's the biggest thing is that people, you know, it's interesting how quickly people came back to the buy the dip thing after having worked so poorly uh, for most of 2022. Uh, but obviously it's worked extremely well this year. Uh, and, you know, I have to admit, I mean, uh, right now the market is, is, has been holding up quite well in the face of these higher interest rates. Uh, but, but the point is, at some point, the fundamentals do matter. And, uh, you know, with earnings coming down as much as it looks like we're going to, 2023 is now looking like it's going to be a negative year for earnings. Uh, and again, with a market that's trading at almost 19 times those earnings and uh, 2.3 times sales, which is extremely expensive, uh, it's just hard for the market to hold up. I mean, I always say the market, you know, they always say the market is always right. Well, I say the market is always right eventually. <laughs> and I just think that the thing has got to settle back in a little bit. Before well, so, they, pa so, more, more so patience and a seatbelt might be in order here. But given that, what does the market have going for it? Are there particular sectors that you think, yeah, yeah, this is a good place to be if we're in for a bumpy ride? Yeah, I mean, one of the places I, I don't want to be uh, is is in the tech area, the, the big cap tech area. I mean, a lot of these companies on a long term basis look great. Google, especially, or Alphabet, back down into the uh, into the teens in terms of a P ratio. You know, it's, it's multiple. Uh, Meta again, another cheap stock. But you know, as great as companies like Apple and, and, and Microsoft are, they are expensive on on a longer term basis. And so, and and this market uh, recently, which has actually flattened out. I mean, after February first, the market's been flat or slightly down. 
Uh, and it's only been these names that held it up. But I do still like certain areas, and one of them, which is going to be a little weak today because of the news out of uh, China with Raytheon uh, and some of these other defense contractors, I think, you know, the world is not becoming a safer place. I think that story about uh, uh, defense spending going down is, is, is already disappearing. And I think that's an area where people uh, can, can, can hide uh, as we move through this year. All right, Matt Maley, thank you for getting up early and getting a good start to the day here. I hope you have a good one. You too. Thank you, Contessa. When we come back, your big money movers and why shares of this recently high-flying stock are about to take a tumble. Plus, precious metal pushback as Newcrest rejects a nearly $17 billion bid. And later, much more on Charlie Munger and what he says about the state of crypto in America. Comments you can't afford to miss. We have a busy hour ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Time now for your big money movers. Ring Central shares diving double digits on a disappointing sales forecast for the current quarter and the full year. The cloud telephone company did beat on earnings for the most recent quarter after a restructuring and laying off 10 percent of its re- workforce. Its CEO says he still sees a difficult macro environment ahead. You can see Ring Central off nine, almost 10 percent in extended trading. Shares of Sam Adams' parent Boston Beer Company also sliding sharply after reporting an unexpected fourth quarter loss. The shares off 11 percent right now. CEO Dave Berwick says revenue growth was strong, but margins came in below expectations. I mean, that's something that we have just been hearing as a theme lately. Due to the company's product mix and supply chain inefficiencies, he says, Berwick adds that Boston Beer is implementing new initiatives to improve share trends and cost structure. And Twilio announced its first major share repurchase plan of a billion dollars just two days after revealing its second round of layoffs in less than six months. Twilio shares up more than 14 percent. The communications company also reported a revenue beat and says changes to leadership, organizational structure and capital allocation will accelerate its path to profitability. And AIG reporting a beat here on earnings. And we know that there have been a number of big catastrophes last year uh, in, in terms of Ian and winter storms as well. Uh, 
AIG also reporting lower alternate investment income, and it improved its profit margins in its core property casualty unit, closed the year with the strongest underwriting results ever, with income for that unit climbing 27%. CEO Peter Zafino commented on the results ahead of the investor call that happens later this morning. He called them an extraordinary year of progress. Joining me to discuss, Paul Newsom, Piper Sandler, insurance analyst. It's great to see you today, Paul. Wonderful to see you, too. Okay, so let's talk a little bit here about what you liked about this earnings report for AIG. Well, clearly the headline is the strong commercial insurance uh, underwriting profitabilities, particularly the U.S. business, which historically was the most troubled business. So they've come a long way in in fixing what used to be a pretty troubled company. Uh, When we're talking about commercial lines, this seems to be the place of strength where we've seen a bunch of pinch points for personal property insurance, and, and especially in auto, which AIG doesn't have, but some of its other um, competitors do. Is AIG managing to reduce its risk in those personal lines? Yeah, they're doing some pretty unique things by pushing off their high net, you know, very large high net worth uh, business basically off the balance sheet. That's interesting because it's different than most people are doing. It's also an interesting commentary that they're pushing it off balance sheet. It probably tells you just how terrible that business is right now. What are you listening for on the call today? Well, I'm really interested in what they're going to say about pricing as it compares to clean cost inflation. Obviously, inflation is really important for the whole economy right now. And it'll be interesting to see if they can and are willing to push rates faster than what they think is the underlying claims inflation. In, in what ways is AIG mimicking broader trends in the insurance industry? What it might, what we might be expecting to see, say, from uh, and, and heard from Chubb, which already reported earnings. Yeah, I mean they're doing the same thing. They're they're balancing, trying to push prices up as enough to all overcome the claims inflation, trying to get their arms around what that actually is, as well as not trying to you know push the price of of. Uh, farther than what uh, the economy and what customers can handle. So it's a real balancing act, pricing versus the claims inflation for all these companies, Chubb, AIG, everybody. Paul, we've talked a bit about this, and it's a, it's a huge issue for the industry that the cost of claims going up, what it takes to go in and repair after a major catastrophe and rebuild after a catastrophe has soared. And the insurers are trying to get enough rate increase to manage that kind of risk. Do you see, and we just had reinsurance renew, and there's a lot of headlines, if you care to look, about what reinsurance pricing is doing, and it's through the roof as well. Do you see that this is a pinch point that is going to continue to plague this industry in Florida, in California, in Louisiana? Where I'm even hearing problems about Texas coming on board. Yeah, there's a, you've, you've named the big hot spots for anything related to property or auto. And I think the insurers really just have no choice. They've got to push rate up as fast as they can, as fast as the regulators will allow them to get a profitability. Those are areas where the companies are just not profitable at all. And it's, it's, a, it's a real crisis for, the, for both insurers as well as consumers who are going to have trouble finding insurance if they don't um, figure out how to, to make those businesses stabilized. All right. So AIG's call later this morning. We'll be, both be on it. And for the meantime, AIG shares flat in the extended trade. Paul, great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Still on deck here, the crypto contagion effect, why Sam Bankman frees return to court may mean trouble for the recently red hot space. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. It's just unspeakable. It's, it's an absolute horror. And, and I'm ashamed of my country that so many people believe in this kind of crap and that the government allows it to exist. It is totally, absolutely crazy, stupid gambling with enormous house odds for the people on the other side. And they cheat in addition to cheating in the betting. It's just crazy. Well, those are some strong words from noted crypto bear Charlie Munger on the investor interest and apparently the mere existence of cryptocurrencies. The man who's grabbing all the crypto headlines lately, Sam Bankman-Fried, will be back in a New York court today with terms of his bail taking center stage. CNBC.com's Mackenzie Sagalos joins us now. What are you expecting to see in the hearing? Hey, Contessa. So we could see Sam Bankman-Fried back in a New York courtroom in a few hours from now. The federal judge overseeing his criminal case has ordered the FTX founder to return to the East Coast for a hearing to address the terms of his bail. Now, this comes after the judge found out that Bankman-Fried used a VPN, short for Virtual Private Network, to access the Internet. Prosecutors say that a VPN blocks third parties like the government for monitoring online activity, including potentially what website someone goes to or what messages are sent. Now, Bankman-Fried doesn't dispute using a VPN, including after a hearing last week when he was ordered to stop using encrypted messaging apps. But he claims that the VPN usage was just to access an NFL Game Pass subscription to watch the Super Bowl while under house arrest at his parents' home in Palo Alto, On the other side of the argument, lawyers say that using a VPN could also be one way for him to contact witnesses or access crypto assets without anyone knowing about it. Because of this, prosecutors are asking the judge to really dial up the conditions of his bail. We're talking a potential outright ban of cell phone and Internet usage with very limited exceptions. They're also floating the idea of installing monitoring software on his devices and Contessa You know, another potential outcome here, depending on how the judge is feeling, is just revoking his bail entirely. Interesting. We have seen in the last few days this rapid rise in regulatory scrutiny on crypto firms with the SEC stepping up its role policing digital assets. I'm looking at not that they looks like investors care. Bitcoin's up two and a half percent right now, and we're seeing it surge in its most significant rise yesterday, up 11 percent. How significant are the moves that we've seen by Gary Gensler this week? I mean, what what kind of impact do we expect for other key players in this space? Yeah, so Chair Gensler has introduced sweeping changes to which crypto companies can custody customer assets. 
The Securities and Exchange Commission voted Wednesday to propose amendments to federal custody rules. It would expand them to include assets like crypto and require major companies in the sector to gain or maintain registration in order to hold those customer assets. This is key because it is the SEC's most overt effort to rein in even regulated crypto exchanges that have substantial institutional custody programs serving high net worth individuals. Meanwhile, this move comes as other federal regulators actively discourage custodians like banks from holding customer crypto assets. And it is all part of this aggressive acceleration of the regulatory crackdown on crypto post FTX. Well, you heard Charlie Munger on it. He thinks it's all crap. Mackenzie Sagalos, thank you for that. Back to that Bitcoin bump. It saw a massive move yesterday. Again, uh, I just point out it's up two and a half percent. You've got Ethereum up one and three quarters percent. Let's get a check on the morning's other top headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York. Philip, it seems to me like all anybody wants to talk about is what is flying over the skies. Yeah, that's the big story, and it has been for quite some time now. Good morning, Contessa. Uh, President Biden, he could deliver a speech today on those unidentified flying objects. The three people familiar with the matter tell NBC News that the president plans to deliver his most extensive remarks yet about the objects that the U.S. military has been shooting out of the sky. He's also expected to explain how his administration is forming new rules to deal with similar objects in the future. The exact timing it still hasn't been settled. A tragedy in El Paso, Texas. One person is dead and three others injured after a shooting inside Cielo Vista Mall. The chaos erupted around 5 p.m. local time. Police getting calls of an active shooter from inside the mall's food court. The shots sent shoppers scrambling. Two of those injured are in critical condition. Now, this shooting happened right next to the Walmart where a gunman killed 23 people back in 2019. Police do have two people in custody, including the suspected shooter. A motive is still unknown. EPA Administrator Michael Regan will be traveling to East Palestine, Ohio today, nearly two weeks after the train derailment that forced the evacuation of the town. Regan's visit comes amidst growing calls for a congressional probe into the prolonged effects of the fire and the toxic chemical spill that resulted from that incident. And finally, the 2023 Genesis Invitational tees off today in California. And Tiger Woods is expected to play. It'll be his first PGA Tour event since last year's Open Championship. That's it from here, Contessa. Back to you. All right, Philip, thank you for that. Ahead, McDonald's goes alt-meat with some new nuggets what police in the UK are calling extravagant thievery and MJ's record-breaking donation. Your top trending stories ahead. And as we had to break, a market flash on shares of Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, China imposing sanctions on the two U.S. defense contractors over arms sales to Taiwan. It marks the latest sanctions against the pair by Beijing. Worldwide Exchange, back after this. Stocks grinding out gains following some upbeat retail sales figures. Futures working to keep that momentum going. Bucking the tech trend, Cisco shares popping on the back of strong quarterly results as its CEO signals customers aren't looking to slash spending just yet. We dig into those results. And the retail crowd revolts against Reddit as the founder of Wall Street Bets takes the social platform to court. It's Thursday, February 16th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. 
Thursday morning, everyone. I'm Contessa Brewer in for Brian Sullivan today. Let's get right to how the trading day is shaping up. And we can see futures uh, flattish to begin the day here. You can see the S&P 500 implied opening just, well, we're flat. Dow Jones, it looks like we might open up by 20 points and the Nasdaq up six. Stocks fighting back to a close higher yesterday following stronger than expected retail sales figures, really suggesting here the Federal Reserve may have further to go in its efforts to fight inflation. You can see the Dow Jones, S&P 500, and the Nasdaq composite. Uh, and forget tech because there's another white hot sector on the run lately. Industrials, that sector up nearly 6% in just the past month, up a ha- about half a point right now with a number of names hitting all time or 52-week highs. Looking at Ingersoll Rant, Parker Hannafin, Rockwell Automation, United Rentals, and more on a tear. Amid all that chatter about future Fed rate hikes to squash higher prices, let's get a check on the bond market here. And the 10-year note yield is at 3.784%. Also, let's hit crude. Oil coming in off its second negative session in a row. Right now, WTI is trading lower by a third of a percent. You've got Brent off by four-tenths of a percent, but Nat Gas is up 2%. Let's get a check on some of the morning's top stories with Bertha Coombs. Good morning, Bertha. Morning, Contessa. Tesla is reportedly completely sold out of one of its most popular models here in the U.S. According to a report from Electric, the EV maker has run out of Model Ys for the current quarter, with production not slated to resume on the model until April. The report says expected deliveries for new Model Ys are not until April, not expected to resume until April or even as late as June. The development comes after Tesla slashed vehicle prices globally last month and saw orders surge. The founder of Wall Street Bets is suing Reddit. According to the filing, James Rogozinski is accusing the platform of wrongly banning him from moderating the community and undermining his trademark rights. He says he was removed as the moderator of the subreddit, which inspired the meme stock craze back in 2020 and 2021, after Reddit claimed that he violated rules by, quote, attempting to monetize the community. And Australia's Newcrest Mining rejecting a nearly $17 billion takeover bid by U.S. rival Newmont. Newcrest saying the offer does not represent sufficient value for its shareholders. But Newcrest not closing the door to an offer completely, saying it would allow limited access to its books if an improved offer were put forward. So not exactly closing the door, but not exactly opening the kimono either, Contessa. Bertha, thank you. Turning to earnings now, we have some high-profile results on deck today with a particular focus on the consumer and their willingness to spend. We have complete team coverage this morning. Julia Borston is following Paramount Global in the wake of that blockbuster Disney report. Pippa Stevens is tracking Shake Shack. Try saying that one. And Taliani of Bank of America Securities with post-earnings reaction to Cisco Systems. Let's start with Julia. Good morning, Contessa. Paramount's report this morning will give us some more insights into the headwinds facing the streaming and digital ad markets. Analysts expect revenue to grow 2% to just over $8 billion, while earnings per share are forecast to fall 9% to 24 cents. 
A key area to watch, subscriber additions for the media giant's Paramount Plus streaming service. Analysts expect the streamer to add about 8 million subscribers in Q4 to total 54 million. They'll also be looking for any guidance in the space. Analysts will also be listening very closely to see what the company says about the advertising market, as well as what the recently announced merger of Showtime and Paramount will mean for the growth of its company. The stock has popped 46% this year, but it is still down about 30% over the past 12 months. Back over to you. Leah, thank you for that. Let's get to Shake Shack, a stock that's up more than 40% this year alone. Pippa Stevens has a preview of those results. Hi, Pippa. Good morning, Contessa. Shake Shack's results later this morning will provide another look at the health of the consumer. So far this earnings season, we've heard that people are still eating out despite fears of a looming recession. Now, analysts expect the company to report a loss of 11 cents per share for the fourth quarter on revenue of $238.2 million, according to estimates from Refinitiv. The key thing to watch here is same-store sales. We already have an idea of what the company's Q4 metrics were, since Shake Shack posted preliminary results back in January, showing comparable sales rising 5.1% in the final three months of 2022. But analysts will be watching for commentary around how traffic's been so far this year, with Wall Street forecasting same-store sales rising 8.5% during Q1, according to estimates from FactSet. Shares of Shake Shack are down more than 40% so far this year. Contessa, back to you. Thank you. And check out shares of Cisco Systems popping more than 10% after the company reported second quarter results before it paired back those gains. We're up about four and a quarter percent right now. Cisco's earnings and revenue beat forecasts. Management is raising guidance for the year, predicting revenue growth of nine to 11 percent. On the call, CEO Chuck Robbins says Cisco is in the best shape since he took over eight years ago. And he says, in fact, no customers are talking about cutting tech spending. The increased visibility we have from almost 32 billion in RPO, a healthy backlog and pipeline and improving supply give us the confidence to raise our full year outlook. We expect those same factors to continue into fiscal year 24. Let's talk more about Cisco's business and the networking gear space with Taliani, who is the analyst at Bank of America Securities. Tal, good to see you this morning. I'm noting here that Cisco raised its guidance, and particularly for the third and fourth quarter, it basically doubles what the street is expecting. Where are they getting that sort of momentum? First, I have to say I have good news and bad news. The good news is that Cisco is doing great. But the bad news is it's not the environment. The environment is not getting better. It's because of historical orders. So in the last two years, there was a shortage of components and orders went up dramatically. For Cisco, the backlog went up from 5 billion to 15 billion. What we are seeing now, what you're seeing now is that as component availability is improving, the companies, all the companies, Juniper, Arista, Fortinet, now Cisco, they're taking from historical orders, they're taking from the backlog. We were able to calculate this morning the difference between what they report and the drawdown of the backlog with the residual is basically showing you how is the ordering environment. And we're showing that the company is short, meaning the next two quarters, the backlog drawdown are double the revenue growth, which means the environment is weakening. So that's the bad news. But the good news is Cisco is doing great. 
Okay, mm-hmm. well, on the call, though, and, and I, I just mentioned this, the CEO says the demand is stable, that he's seeing appetite for tech spending because this is where his clients think they're going to make their money. And so they're not pulling back on this tech spending. Are you saying, are you skeptical about, for instance, their 9% reported growth? I completely disagree with, with the statement. I completely disagree with the statement for two reasons. First of all, the numbers show it. It's very easy to calculate what are the orders and what's coming out of backlog. And you can see that, yes, revenues are going to be 12 percent. Revenues are going to grow 12 percent instead of 6 percent. It's double the expectations. But all of it is coming from backlog drawdown. It's important to say, though, that Cisco is doing good with what it has controls over, meaning they change the strategy. Recurring revenues are going up. The RPOs are product RPOs, $17 billion, which means they have almost half of revenues already in the RPOs, revenues over the next 12 months. So they're doing great, but it's not the environment. The environment is still weak. And we've seen it, as I said, with other companies that have a big uh, hardware uh, operations. How does Cisco's move to recurring revenue insulate them if the environment is dour? It's not going to help them. It's just going to increase visibility and stability, meaning if the environment is weak, it's, it's weak. What you're seeing today is that the hardware portion is being supported by backlog drawdown. Let's put it aside. At the end of the day, the comp- companies that ordered hardware in the last two years ordered, ordered ahead of expectations. They were afraid that they're not going to get the products on time because of component shortages. So they ordered double and triple of what they needed. Now you see a decline in the orders just because they ordered enough and they're getting the supplies. So it's not really that the environment is weakening that much. Mm -hmm. What happens is that orders are enough to support the needs of the customers for the next year. And this is why orders are declining. There is no way to isolate this from the macroeconomic situation. There's no way to basically say how much of the orders are um, historical orders are being fulfilled now versus what the real demand of customers now. Okay. We think the environment is relatively okay, but it's still weak. Tao, I just want to point out that you have a buy rating and your price target $56, which would be about a $4 raise from where it currently is. Taliani of uh, Bank of America Securities, thank you so much. Thank you. Be sure you catch an exclusive conversation with Cisco Systems CEO and Chairman Chuck Robbins that comes up at 9.30 Eastern Time on Squawk on the Street, only on CNBC. Coming up, the millionaire migration. Robert Frank lays out the factors fueling thousands of China's wealthy millionaires to flee the country. As we head to break, some of your top trending stories. Michael Jordan donating $10 million to Make-A-Wish for his 60th birthday. It's the largest donation ever received from an individual in that organization's 43-year history. Jordan has supported Make-A-Wish since 1989 and was named Chief Wish Ambassador in 2008. How do you like that title? McDonald's expanding its plant-based lineup in Germany with another Beyond Meat item, McPlant Nuggets. Sounds delicious. Customers can try the alt-meat options starting later this week. It's unclear if U.S. customers get a chance to take a tasty bite. And a U.K. man pleading guilty to stealing nearly 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs in what police are calling an extravagant theft. Police don't waste the chance to fire off some egg puns in a series of tweets following the man's arrest. They say they've helped save Easter for a cream egg fan. What was the guy going to do with that many? 
resell them on the black market? Worldwide Exchange, back in just a moment. Welcome back. We have a market flash now on shares of Roku surging after beating on the top and bottom lines of its fourth quarter results. Consumers streaming more content than expected. Roku also gave an upbeat revenue forecast, saying some advertising categories have actually improved. You can see shares up right now almost 11 percent in the extended trade. Different story here for shares of Shopify. It, too, beat expectations on the top and bottom lines for its fourth quarter results, but it issued lighter than expected guidance for the current quarter. And right now, those shares are trading lower by 10 percent. The easing of COVID restrictions in China allows residents once again to travel abroad. And that includes some of China's wealthiest citizens who are taking the opportunity to grab their fortune and run overseas. Robert Frank joins us now with how much money is migrating out of China. Robert. Good morning, Contessa. Well, during COVID, that exodus of millionaires from China took a pause, but now those floodgates have reopened. The number of Chinese millionaires asking about or applying for investment migration spiked by 600 percent just in the three weeks after China lifted those lockdowns. Last year, nearly 11,000 Chinese millionaires left the country. This year, experts say that number is expected to be even higher. majority of our clients are looking for it used to always be plan B, um, but now it's plan B and plan C and plan D. Growing, growing concerns about the Chinese economy and the government are also driving these moves. moves. President Xi's crackdown on tech and real estate and his common prosperity campaign has created new threats for the Chinese wealthy. Their favorite destinations right now to move to are Europe, that's mainly Portugal and Greece, as well as Australia and Singapore. The U.S. not quite as popular, but still seeing a rise in applicants. Migration advisors say the Chinese wealthy typically send their families overseas while they stay in the country to run their companies. Most use investment visa programs. So along with buying real estate and becoming big spenders, they also invest in the local economy. Contessa? How big a problem does China see this? And are the authorities trying to intervene? It's a problem. China has very strict capital control, so they're less concerned about the people moving, the brain drain, although that is an issue. They're more concerned about the capital flight and contested their estimates that this year could see up to $150 billion or more leave the country. And Despite those strict capital controls and tracking the money, you know, the wealthy in every country always find ways to get around those controls. And that's exactly what they're doing in China. Well, we know that when uh, Chinese investors come to the local market, it inflates prices for everybody. And I don't know, I guess they can just join the crowd in Portugal. Isn't everybody investing in Portugal these days? Everybody's buying a, everybody I know is buying a condo in Portugal. It's very affordable. The country has a terrific investment visa program where if you invest not a lot of money, you can get that citizenship, not just in Portugal, but that allows you to travel freely within the Eurozone. So it's a good bargain. Greece also similar. Yeah. All right. Robert Frank, like I get so much out of a conversation with you. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. As we head to break during February, we celebrate Black Heritage with some of our CNBC teammates, contributors and business leaders. Here's CNBC senior field producer Karen James Sloan.
my parents immigrated to the U.S. from Guyana, South America in 1967 to pursue a better life for their family. During that time, African-American leaders like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were helping to pave the way for all black people to have opportunities. My brother and I are first-generation Americans, and our parents instilled in us the importance of education, hard work, and to recognize the sacrifices of foundational black Americans that led the civil rights movement. Today, I pay it forward by mentoring young journalists of color. Welcome back. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on the East Coast on the 6 o'clock hour. Apple reportedly is pushing back the unveil of its mixed reality headset from April to June. Bloomberg reports hardware and software improvements are still needed despite years of delays and development. Berkshire's Charlie Munger taking issue with the White House's war on corporate stock buybacks. A good culture has a lot of people that are good fiduciaries and it is, it is like stealing to do something dumb with the corporate money once you can get more advantage to your shoulders to buy back your own stock. And I like encouraging morality and decency and honor and so on in your dealings with the people you're the fiduciary for. And so I agree with our president on some things, but this is not one of them. Munger was speaking at Daily Journal's virtual annual meeting yesterday. He added Chinese EV maker BYD, of which Berkshire owns more than 220 million shares, is so far ahead of Tesla in China. It's, quote, ridiculous. Fidelity Investment says it's looking to fill about 4,000 new roles by the middle of this year. It follows a record year of hiring by the firm that brought its headcount to nearly 70,000. Binance expects to pay millions of dollars to U.S. regulators and law enforcement agencies over allegations of bribery and corruption allegations. Basically, they say they didn't know. In an interview, the firm's chief strategy officer says, in its infancy, software engineers were unfamiliar with laws written to address things like money laundering and sanctions. And double-digit growth in Twisted Tea is not really helping shares of Boston beer. Look at that, down 11% in the pre-market as margins for its most recent quarter fell below street estimates. Gearing up for the trading day ahead and a slew of economic data out at 8.30 a.m. with initial jobless claims, producer price index, and housing start figures. Earnings roll on with results from the likes of Hasbro, Paramount, Shake Shack and more and a fresh batch of Fed speak on tap from Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard and Fed Governor Lisa Cook. And Europe's outperformance is showing no signs of slowing down. Following the FTSE 100's lead just a few days ago, France's CAC 40 just hit an all time high moments ago. The index up 11 percent this year and you can see up one percent on the day. Let's talk about this with Carrie Firestone, Arias Asset Management CEO and CNBC contributor. Carrie, a lot of people look at this and say Europe arguably is the worst performing economy as a whole in Western world, and yet their stocks are outperforming ours. What's behind it? You think about what's going on with Europe. Uh, in the background, you had 10 years of underperformance. And 
uh, as, as a whole, the European economy has underperformed and the stock markets there have really been abysmal compared to the U.S. market. But they got to the point that they were very oversold. And if you think about this year, everyone predicted that Europe would be in a recession, a severe recession, because they would have no energy to, to run their economy because of the Russian oil imports. In fact, this has been a very mild summer. I'm sorry, mild winter. So you didn't have any problem with uh, energy supplies to the continent, but also uh, you had a very oversold condition with priced earnings multiples in the low teens. So that was more attractive than the U.S. And money has really flooded into the European market, some of which had been in the U.S. market, but had seen that underperformance last year and the, the sharp you know, decline in bear market. So it's moved back to Europe and the economies are doing better there and the markets were oversold. So it makes sense. We saw a bit of a bounce in January, but the beginning of February has been more like a yo-yo. What's behind that move here? Yeah, it, exactly. Well, uh, again, you know, markets begin to rally uh, from the bottom in October in the U.S. And since then, the S&P is up 15 percent and the Nasdaq had gone up 17 percent really from the bottom on December 28th. From that point, I mean, that's a pretty sharp move. And markets just have to settle out. You had a, a big squeeze on people who were sitting on the sidelines. They've been window dressing to make sure you got all those bad losses out of portfolios. I'm sure some people did that by the end of the year. So they rushed into stocks. Uh, I think that was the right move because some stocks, many stocks were very, very cheap. But you got to that level at the end of January. And now it's a bit of wait and see. Earnings have been, you know, mediocre, not, not great. And the market's been pretty forgiving of, of tough earnings that after the third quarter, they would have taken those stocks down 10%. Now they go up 10% if they announce uh, cost cuts. So uh, it's reasonable for us to think that, you know, we might have a bit of a wait and see attitude. And we watch what's going on with inflation wasn't great, you know, on, on Tuesday. And what the Fed's going to do is probably one or two more raises. They're not doing any pivot soon. Uh, we can find some very, very attractive stocks in this market. But, you know, I would say that the easy picking is uh, is off the vines and there's less um, fully, you know, discounted, oversold names in the market today. Efficiency, restructuring, buybacks. These are all key words that are um, getting rewards for the companies who report earnings. Do you have particular sectors or names that you like today? Yeah, well, we've owned the tech names that were the ones that began to talk about this, and we still think that there's room to to grow. So uh, Meta is an example that stocks up 80% from the bottom, uh, and we still think that there's room. Charter Communication is one. Um, that stock took a real hit last year because cable companies often borrow, and there's interest rate risk, but we think that their debt is in place and some of the initiatives um, on, on Wi-Fi conversion is, is very strong for them. We also like names such as Salesforce. And since we've owned it and we've owned it for a while, we've seen activists come into the stock and the company is announcing a lot of, I think, smart moves. It was easy during the pandemic for these companies to add a, a lot of, um, of people Care. and they needed them. But you know, they have to resize and redirect costs now. Carrie Firestone, thank you. Have a great Thursday. And thank you for joining us on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is next.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.